0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the No Bad Dogs podcast with me, Tom Davis, America's Canine Educator. Thank you so much for joining me here today, and I sincerely, authentically want to thank you. You right now, with your earphones in, your speaker on, whatever, however you're listening to this, I want to say thank you. I'm sitting at my kitchen table with my dog right now with a cup of coffee, and I'm about to put out a podcast, and I just want to say thank you for listening to me, and I appreciate everybody, every single person that listens to what I have to say. It really does make me continue to do what I do, because if nobody was listening, I wouldn't keep doing it. But because we're growing on the podcast and all the other platforms, I'm going to keep working for you guys and helping to produce content to help you and your dog. So seriously, seriously, thank you so much. And also thank you to Dogtra. Dogtra is my go-to remote collar. Dogtra also makes a bunch of other really, really cool remote technology advances uh, advancement um, features for different dog training equipment as well. You guys can visit their all of their uh, their lines of e-collars and as well as their other products on dogtra.com Thanks again, Dogtra, for sponsoring the podcast today. And Today I'm going to be talking about something that I think I've never talked about, but I think it's something good to talk about and I can tell you why. Whenever I decide to do a solo, non-guest podcast, it's usually just something that I see and I'm like, "Whoa, I want to talk about this on the podcast instead of in my head." And so that's what I'm doing. So I recently stumbled across a page. I'm, I'm not gonna. I don't even remember what it was, but it was. It was basically a book that says, "Get to know your dog without using tools and, and electricity." And and I don't think it had anything to do with. Um, styles of training or methodology methodology of training. I think it was just simply a way to say like, hey, there's other ways to get to know your dog. And I want to just discuss the simple fact of the reality versus what you actually want to do. My ideal training camp for me to to really get the dogs to where they need to be to be really, really, really successful, would be exactly like what this book is kind of publishing and, and talking about and, and endorsing. And first of all, I want to say that writing a book in general is a huge accomplishment and getting people to know their dogs is is great regardless of what you believe in. If you're, if you're in it to help people and their dogs, I applaud you. And this has no, 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 no attack on anybody. Again, I don't even remember what the book was, but it sparked this idea. My ideal place to, to work with dogs would simply be Um, uh, probably like a ranch in the middle of Colorado taking in one to two dogs a month or maybe one to two dogs every two months and really getting to know them Um, but the reality of that is so not realistic like extremely unrealistic and so and that's what I want to talk about dog training businesses and I want to talk about ideologies versus reality because this is something I felt like when I saw this, I felt like dog owners can, can become very guilty of this and they, they can become very oh crap, I'm I'm doing everything wrong. I need to go buy a farm and, and get a four wheeler and six horses in order to get to know my dog and I better take all my tools off. And and like I said before, it has nothing to do with with the particular individual. I don't know if it was a girl or a guy. I can't really remember. But um, the point is is like that's not realistic. Like I said, if I had a, like a picture perfect, "Hey Tom, we want we want you to start a business. What's your picture perfect world?" It would be, like I said, probably a farm in the middle of nowhere taking in a couple dogs a month and really getting to know them and spending a lot of time with them. I made the decision when I started getting really, really busy. When I had like a 4 to 8 week waiting list and it was just me. I didn't have a manager, I didn't have trainers, I had nothing. Now, I have a manager, I have four full-time trainers, I have a daycare staff, I have a cleaning staff, I have an office staff, um, and, and the list kind of goes on and on as we grow, which I'm grateful for, And I, but I'm not here to talk about that. I'm talking about when I made the decision to go macro instead of micro, it was, do I want to be that guy that's living in the middle of nowhere and takes a couple dogs every now and then? Like, yeah, I do. But realistically... Is it going to help me reach the, the goals that I have as a, as a canine educator? No, because I'm not going to be able to reach as many people or help as many people. And so whenever you bring a dog in, or like scratch that, whenever you're having problem with something and you bring that problem into somebody who specializes and professionally does it, it's going to be better than it was. And it doesn't matter if it's a a car cleaning service or anything. If you're like, I'm having a real hard time with this. I really can't do it. Can you help? And you bring it to somebody who professionally does it. Chances are it's going to be better than than what you're doing. And if they're really good, it's going to be really, really good. And you're going to be really happy. And so with that being said when I decided to make a business to say like, hey, you know, for us, like we sign up maybe um, anywhere from five to 20 dogs a week, depending on where we're at in the month and the seasons and whatever. But I never overload ourselves. Like we have a limit to what we can do and we have a waiting list for almost everything that we have. And I respect that and I know that and I don't want to be that business that just takes in everything and does a really crappy job. But at the same time, Having the ideology of you should let your dog be a dog and not use technology and not use this We have to also understand the demographic of the dog market, the dog owner market I would say 90, well I can tell you that 70% of Americans or more have dogs And I think 50% have more than one dog So almost everybody has dogs in America, that's just facts and I would say almost all of those people don't have the time or energy or ability to go and find some or afford some farm in the middle of nowhere to have their dog be taken in by somebody um, for an extended amount of time. And, and, and like I said, like, the reality is, for me, I need to spend, as, as, as canine educators or trainers or whatever you want to call us, we need to spend more time with the owners than we do with the dog, period. Because like I said before, if, if, if the the dog is almost always a product of of the environment or of, of what they come from, the proof is in the pudding. And, you know, and of course there's going to be some leniencies to that as far as, you know, uh, behavior goes with neurological stuff or, or breeding or whatever, genetics. I mean, that's, those are, those are, yeah, those are, those are there. But for the majority of people, it's, it's, it's the people and we all know that like you listening dog trainer dog owner or whatever you know that when something goes wrong with your dog chances are it's your fault and so what I developed was a program to really work with dog owners and to say because if you guys have watched anything that any dog trainer has done as a dog trainer you should be able to get really fast results really quick that's no that's not like an unknown like you know anomaly of like who can do this and who can't like that should be a thing if you're not seeing results really, really quick with basic stuff, then I don't know. But you should anyway, because it's better than the dog owner. The dog owner should be impressed really, really quickly with what you can do because you're a professional, in my opinion. But besides that, it doesn't matter what you can do. It matters what you can teach the dog owner. You you have to be a good coach and you have to be somebody who can explain things and, and give them information that's really digestible. And I feel like that's what I'm... I'm I can say that I'm I'm good at I'm I'm really good about putting out information that people can go oh I never thought of it that way I don't I, I try to dumb it down as much as I possibly can because that's the way I learn I don't want to learn like all of these quadrants and and different terms that really doesn't make sense I want to know what's wrong how can I fix it so with that being said. There's also like this thing, and I try to stay off social media as much as I possibly can. Like I don't have a personal Facebook. I mean, it's there, but I don't go on it. It's just there because my business is attached and you can't delete it without it. So if anybody out there is sending me messages or friend requests, I don't go on it. So, but I try to stay off social media, but sometimes, you know, you know, things come up and people are like, Hey, you know, did you see this? Or did you see that? And I'm like, no, I I don't. But I can see just on Instagram and other things where people have been like, oh, this person is a bad dog trainer because every single time their clients regress or every single time their dog regresses. And I know that, and I've been listening to like a lot of podcasts on psychology because it's something I really am interested in. And I know that this bandwagon hate type thing has been a thing since the internet But it really has something to do like if you see somebody and this doesn't have anything to do directly with me it has something to do just this is just um, I guess social media internet tip 101 trolls and people who jump on the bandwagon to harass other people because somebody else did it is a very mob-like mentality, and chances are the people who are chiming in and kicking the person while they're down have really big problems with that person and or are jealous of that person and or hate that person because of whatever reason, and they more than likely, the core of that is because they have something wrong with themselves. And so over the course, of been working with professional dogs. I've seen my fair share of people bashing me for the color shirt I wear and, you know, whatever. It th- th- None of that stuff really affects me, but I am human, and I can see when people are like, oh, well, that Tom Davis guy, you know, his dogs always reg- – every – first of all, every single dog trainer out there has dogs that go out that regress because the people who are taking them aren't professionals. <laughs> so it's, it's like it's interesting to hear people state really obvious things to try to say like, yeah, that guy sucks because – his dogs aren't the same as when they walked out or you know it's like it's the same thing as personal training if you come in and you try to get a personal trainer and you eat really good and you stay in shape and you're hitting the gym and you listen to everything you do and you're working with that person on a regular basis and then you stop because of life and you regress it's not that personal trainer's fault that's because you've regressed into things you're supposed to be doing for homework but you're probably still in a lot better shape than you were when you started so there's that happy medium of natural Regression. It's part of the ecosystem. It happens because you aren't a professional at what you 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 got help for. So, besides that, um, I want to talk about again the ideology behind the perfect world of dog training. And so, with with that behind us, I also want to talk about. Just the simple fact of like I like I said I saw this book and and again I don't remember who it was um, if it was male or female, but I saw this book and again like writing your own book is beautiful and hard and I'm not taking anything away from everybody or anybody sorry but I do want to put my two cents in about the the I guess the subject of You know, working with dogs on a small level and working with dogs in a rural area on a farm and having the access to have four-wheelers and having no other clients to work with, not worrying about employees and really just having quality one-on-one time with dogs is a far different business from trying to take in as, as, I don't want to say as many dogs, but taking in a lot of dogs who need help. Those are two completely separate businesses. And the reality is, is dog owners in America do not have the time or the resources or maybe the finances to do what other people are trying to do with dogs which means again in my perfect world and I keep saying again because I've tried this to record this podcast a couple different times and I just want to I want to make sure that this comes out the right way and I hope it does but If I haven't mentioned this before, my ideal world of like creating a dog training facility would be in the middle of absolute nowhere somewhere in Colorado and inviting in maybe one or two dogs a month for maybe a month and a half more a month and working with them and yes, throwing them on a, you know, throwing them in a field and ripping a four wheel around and learning how to read cues and just be exhausted and be a dog and smell and sniff and have primal instincts and all that stuff will be. And then the dog is going to go home happier. The dog is going to go home less, less anxious. The dog is going to go home less stressed. The dog is going to be trained really without a lot of different tools because they're just naturally happy and it kind of goes into like what I talk about all the time with the the homeless people's dogs. If you ever see like a homeless person's dog, it's usually just chilling on a piece of cardboard doing nothing because they're happy, because they have a, a fully content life. Nothing else gets in the way between them and their owner. Well, listen, the reality is, is that's not realistic. Dog owners in America with dogs, which is almost all of the dogs that we're talking about in professional dog training services, are husbands, wives, moms, sisters, siblings, etc. The kids have dance, soccer, recital, school. You know, all the all this stuff goes into it and they love their dog and it's a family dog and things are great. They do not have the time to do some of this stuff that is needed to get a dog to its natural state of mind or its natural blissful state of happiness. Just that's just the reality of what we're dealing with. And like I said before, when we're talking about Businesses on the micro or the macro, you have to outweigh your options. And that's the decision I, I decided to make as a, as a, a business owner is I said, I would rather take in as many dog owners as I possibly can to teach them what they're doing wrong. And that's why me and my training staff I mean, some of my train actually half of my trainers have um, four year degrees in animal science um, and, and they, they have been studying canine behavior for a really long time and they're great at what they do. And our job when a dog owner comes in is to tell them everything they're doing wrong because it, it isn't our, what good is it if we can take a dog and train it? If it just goes back to the owner and the owner has no idea what they're doing. Now, with that being said, I, f- I feel silly saying that because of course you guys are out there like, yeah, the sky's blue. Like everybody knows that that's the gig. But my thing is, is you, you have to realize that there's, there's a significant difference in businesses and the way that they operate in their actual goals in the end. Our business, like a lot of other dog training businesses, is very simple. We get dog owners in that have a, have, a, have a problem, either small or large, behavioral or obedience, and we teach the dog owners how to do what they need to do. We show them that their dog is capable. We show them the entire groove of how to do it, and we show them what they need to be doing, what equipment they need to be using, what leashes, what to say, what not to say, so on and so forth. Now, with that being said, I just, I just want to just put out there, guys, that ideally, yes, we could have a farm, our dogs could chase animals, they can exert all their energy, but that's not really our jobs as dog trainers. I think every dog trainer... And every person working with professional dogs should live in that moment and and be able to witness a dog being a dog and a dog being – and I witness that every day with my dogs. I mean, they are animals. They get to do whatever they want. They're off leash all the time. But when I need to reel that in and get them to listen, they can certainly do that. But not everybody is going to have the resources to do that. And so my point is is I want people to – use less tools in the end of the day. I want people to be able to just tell their dog to do something and then listen. I want people to not have to use anything as a crutch, even if it's food or a leash or really anything. It doesn't really have anything to do with tools. But the reality of an everyday dog owner having that relationship with their dog where they don't have to use some sort of help or tool to get them to be more efficient and more effective is not realistic. And that's my main thing about this podcast is, is I've, I've seen some of these, I, I love the idea. Like I want to go to a clinic where I can see dogs be dogs and herd and, and run and be primal. And it's beautiful. I love, 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 love that. I think that every dog trainer should be involved in something like that or witness it and get out and just get out of the city and just see dogs be dogs. But you know, owning, owning a business that is trying to take in as many dog owners as we can to teach them what they need to be doing with reason and responsibility because we have certain regulations that we, we can only take in so many dogs and dog owners at one time so we can make sure we're efficient, effective with our training programs. But the reality is, is these people are struggling to find sleep in their day, do good at their job. Have their kids, you know, not, you know, all this stuff goes into it. And the reality of 95% of dog owners is they can't do the things that we, they should be doing, which is why they have problems with their dogs in the first place. So I just wanted to just make this podcast and because I just felt, <clears throat> I guess I felt a little triggered to see a dog training program to say like, Hey, no tools, organically learn how to be a dog trainer, organically how to communicate with your dog and blah, blah, blah. Like the amount of people who can actually do that is so minimal. It's insane. Like it's not even comprehensible. It's not even on the scale. The amount of people that can spend two weeks at a time to get away in the mountains with their dog and let them off leash. And I mean, there's so many dangers that go in with that. Um, I do think that, and, and I don't, like I said, I didn't really read too much into what was going on. So I could have been taking this with a different lens. But I have seen multiple programs like this before where it's like, we should be able to do X, Y, and Z with our dogs without this. 100%. There's no doubt about it. But again, the reality of normal dog owners being able to do something like that is unrealistic and is setting them up for complete and utter failure. And that's why for us, like the amount of dogs that we take in, we realize, okay, this dog owner does not have enough time to have this dog. Are they going to get rid of it? No. Are they going to really put in enough time and energy to make it work? Probably not. What can I do as a dog trainer to help the dog out as soon as I possibly can so the dog can live a little bit better life or a lot better life in some, in most cases and a lot of that has to do with making sure that the, the dog owner knows basics, obedience, um, getting the dog like a different collar or a different leash to, to help navigate the dog through c- certain scenarios. So the dog can say, Hey, I'm a dog. You probably shouldn't have gotten me because you have absolutely no time for me, but you're not going to get rid of me. And you're going to either let me sit in a crate and be in a crate all day or in a house or in a yard all day. or." We as dog trainers can teach the dog owner how to go out and successfully communicate with their dog with some of the technology advancements that are known to man, such as e-collars, prong collars, slip collars, dominant dog collars, you name it, even harnesses for heck's sake. I mean, and I think that that's like the program this particular course was trying to create is like, we don't need anything. We don't need anything to create a relationship with our dog. I could not agree with, with that more. I couldn't agree with it more. Like I said before, I don't need any of those things with my dogs. But but like I said, the amount of people who are going to be able to actually do something like that are so minimal. So it's almost setting them up for failure. So I think there should be some exposure to, hey, if you want to have a happy dog, sell your house and move into the country and let them be a dog. But again, nobody's going to be able to do that. So I just, I don't know. I just wanted to hop on here and express my feelings to, to dog owners to just help you realize that not everybody is going to be able to give their dog a fulfilled life to like the fullest extent. What would a dog like be completely fulfilled with? Probably again, waking up in a barn somewhere running around all day, chasing animals and eating raw food would probably be, you know, their ideal world, but that's just not going to happen. So we have to do what we can with what we have. And I think it is important for dog owners, dog owners to not be so hard on themselves and to just realize that, you're going to do everything you can, but you have you also have to make sure as a dog owner that you're listening to your trainer. And and for anybody out there in the dog training world that's an actual dog trainer, you are going to have regression with your clients because that's just going to happen. It's natural. It's part of the ecosystem. It's always going to happen. However, you have to make sure that, like in my dog training program, I shouldn't say you have to, in our dog training program and the way that we like to structure it and the way that we find ourselves successful is you're gonna find dog owners who come in and you're gonna teach them what the problems are and you're gonna teach them how to curb it. You're really gonna figure out the people who care and have enough time to donate by the outcome of the dog's behavior four months after you're done training. And again, I've said this in one of my recent videos, I'm never going to look at a dog that a trainer had trained a year ago and and judge that trainer or judge the training program they went in because I know I'm a realistic human being and I know that some people follow through with what they're supposed to be doing and others don't. And like I said, you can get a dog that is 60% better but still kind of out of control and people may be looking at the dog like, oh, it's trained. Yeah, but it's, it's, it's better than it was and its natural regression because the dog owner goofed off and didn't do anything, and it's not the dog trainer's fault. But anyway, so I hope that this podcast kind of resonates with people and just I think at the end of the day it's about reality versus like what we would really want. Like nobody can really do what we really want to do or very few. If you're lucky enough to be able to do something like that, great. But not many people can let a dog actually fulfill what a dog needs to do. So there's a lot of times where, yes, we do need equipment and we do need other things to help us get the dog happier. You live in a city and your dog's off leash without a remote collar, that's a 50-50 chance your dog's coming back every time versus if you had your dog trained off leash and so on and so forth. So that's what I kind of like comprehended the, the, the dog training system is like, get to know your dog. I'm like, okay, great. That sounds great. Go outside. Great. Um, Let your dog run and be free. Okay, great. But then it was like, you should be able to do all this stuff without anything. And I'm like, true. I agree. But nobody in the like as a dog owner, they're not going to be able to do that. They're not going to be able to spend that amount of time to get to know their dog. Unfortunately, I wish that they could. And I, and I think that that is the best way to train your dog and that is the best way to be a dog person is to just isolate yourself completely and, and get out there and, and just, just be with your dogs. But these people are working 50, 60 hours a week. They barely have time to eat, let alone get out there and do that with your dog. And I'm just kind of here to represent the reality of what dog owners have to go through on a daily basis. And I want to just... Um, Maybe just make this little podcast and just let you know that you just do the best you can with what you have. And if you can't go out and run four-wheelers and horses around on a farm and get to know your dog, it's okay. That's normal. Anyway, guys, I'm signing off. Hey, listen, I'm going to be in Ohio, Cleveland, Ohio. I'm going to be doing a live two-day seminar, and it's going to be – let me look at my calendar. Um, it's going to be May 16th and 17th at Boss Canine. Um, we have audit spots available and working spots available. For tickets, you can visit my website at com slash calendar. And again, we're going to be doing two-day seminar working with anything. You guys have problems or you want to get to know your dog a little bit better or if you want to just come hang out, please do. We're going to be having coffee, possibly beers. We'll see what the what the weekend uh, holds. So again, I'm going to be in Cleveland, Ohio, May 16th and 17th at Boss Canine. And I'd love to meet you guys. For tickets and information, please visit America's Canine dot com slash calendar. I appreciate you guys listening. If you want, screenshot this, share it on Instagram. Let me know if you like it and I will share it on my Instagram and show my appreciation for everybody out there listening. Thank you guys so much. I will talk to you next time. Peace.